You and I live in what many believe to be the greatest place at the greatest time in the history of humanity. There is more opportunity to do more, have more, and be more in this place than at any other time in the history of people. And yet with all those opportunities, we are not happy. We are overwhelmed. We are overextended. We are overburdened. And because of that, we overspend, we overeat, we overextend ourselves, we overburden ourselves, we overreact, and sometimes a few of us will even overdose. So, because we overanalyze everything, those who see that in us will come up to us and they will say, you know what, I think you just need to get over it. And because we're oversensitive, we look up to a sky that's overcast and we say, oh, I'm really over it. Are we? Are we really? Do we really want to live like this? Do we really want to get to the end of our days and say, I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time doing this? A well-known Washington insider years ago said, on our deathbeds, we will probably not say, I wish I would have spent more time at the office. Today, we're going to begin a series called Breaking Free. And it's really designed to uh, ask, answer some questions that a lot of people are asking about our overwhelmed and overextended culture. And so for today and for the five weeks following, we're going to be answering some questions that a lot of people are asking. For example, has anybody ever had to deal with somebody who was rather difficult? Spouses excluded. Okay. All right. Anybody ever had to? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, If you've ever had to deal with a difficult person, we're going to be answering that question with a message called breaking up. We live in a world where so many of our social media posts, our conversations seem to be judged and analyzed and uh, uh, they're governed even sometimes by people that we've never met, organizations that we're not even a part of, as if we're supposed to talk a certain way and not supposed to talk a certain way. Sometimes people can ask a question, can I be religious and political at the same time? We've got a message for that entitled Breaking News. And if anybody's ever asked, is there ever a really good time where I can actually talk about my faith in Jesus? We're going to deal with that in a message called Breaking the Ice. If you or someone you know has ever had to deal with an addiction to alcohol or drugs or any other kind of addiction issue, we're going to answer that question, the question that says, will I ever be able to overcome any of this? We're going to answer that in a message entitled Breaking Bad. Next week, we're going to answer the question, will I ever have ever have enough money? In a message entitled Breaking the Bank. And today, our message is entitled Breaking Busy. When we answer the question, will I ever be able to fit everything into one day? 
everything into one day. Really? Fitting everything? If you saw someone who was trying to fit a whole bunch of stuff into one day and you recognized just by a casual observation that they were uh, overwhelmed and frustrated, you'd kind of pull them aside and you'd say, hey, listen, just don't try to do all of this. Why in the world are you trying to do all this? Why are you trying to work and then go home and work your second job to uh, make dinner, to get the kids to practice, to pick the kids up from practice, to paint the living room, clean up the yard, uh, clean up the bathroom, clean up the bathroom again, clean up the house again, do all those kinds of things. Why are you trying to fit it all in? Now, I, uh, what I'm not talking about is that we just need to just walk away from it all. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that sometimes we try to do way too much into one day. And as a result, we're just over it. We're done. Rick Warren is a preacher in California. And he gave an interesting perspective to think about proposing this interesting scenario. He says... Um, Suppose that each and every one of us were issued a bank account and at 6 a.m. every single morning into our individual bank accounts were deposited $86,400 with the prerequisite that every single one of those $86,400 had to be spent by the end of the day. If you did not spend that $86,400, every penny of it, then whatever was remaining at the end of the day was removed from your account when you went to sleep. When you woke up again, there's another $86,400. What would you do if you had a bank account that every 6 a.m. you had $86,400 and you were required to spend $86,400 during that day? You'd figure out a way to how to spend $86,400. You'd figure out a way. Well, in a manner of speaking, that actually happens to every one of us. Every day, 86,400 seconds are deposited into our account of time. God gives you and me 24 hours, and in 24 hours, there are 86,400 seconds. And he wants to know what we're going to do. He gives us the freedom to do whatever we want with any of those 86,400 seconds every single day. But at the end of all those days, he's going to say, what'd you do with the time that I gave you? There's a perspective there. The Bible gives you and I some principles that I think we can live by each and every day. And those principles, uh, many of them have to do with time and what we do and how we spend our time and who we spend our time with and the things that we can choose to not spend our time on. Ephesians chapter 5 has some of those principles listed. I'd like to read uh, uh, this, this short section here with you this morning. Starting with verse 15, the writer says, So then, be careful how you live. Do not be unwise, but wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. When we're done, I believe God's going to say, What would you do with the time I gave you? How did you spend it? Did you spend it wisely or unwisely? 
Did you use it the way that I recommended? Or were you kind of selfish with it all? Did you let everybody else say what you were going to do with your time? Did you rule your calendar or did your calendar rule you? That's the question. In order to understand uh, how we can better use our time and not be exhausted and overwhelmed and overextended and overreact and all those other overs, there's a couple of principles that I do want to share with you so that we won't live like that, hurried and uh, just running around like crazy. The first is uh, from that section of scripture. I want you to understand that the time that is given to you and me is really a trust. You and I are stewards of the time. Time is a commodity. And it's not really about, uh, it's not important that we count our days as much as that we make our days count. That's what really matters. And you know what? Notwithstanding the bumper sticker-like phrase that I just gave you, you and I are able to know the difference between a day that was well spent and a day that was squandered. We know that difference. The Bible says, be careful how you live, making the best use of your time. This stewardship of time is not to be confused with some kind of an investment as if we can take a couple of days, we can set them aside, and then uh, next week, next month, next year, we're going to get five days back because those days that we set aside had some kind of weird interest rate on them and we get more when we get back. No, that's not the way that it works. It literally is about those 86,400 seconds. When we go at the end of that day, it's over. It's gone. We don't get them back. So time is more about a a God-given opportunity for you and for me. And God's going to ask us, what did we do with the time that we had? The first two words in that section of scripture that I read to you were so then. So then... Live your life wisely and make the best use of your time. In other words, those two words uh, uh, lead us back to something that was said before. Because of this, I now want you to live wisely. I want you to be careful how you live and make the best use of your time. What was it that the writer said before then? In verses 8 through 10, he said this. You used to be like people in the dark people living in the dark but now you are people of the light because you belong to the Lord. So act like people of the light and make your light shine. Be good and honest and truthful as you try to please the Lord. What you and I have from God is an opportunity that was made possible by the sacrifice of Jesus. It's not as if uh, we have to now, uh, having been given this opportunity of time, this commodity of time, that we now have to spend it doing really, really good things so that we can earn our way into heaven. We get a ticket by all the good things. We do 5,000 good things, we get a ticket in economy, okay? We do 50,000 good things, it's first class kind of a thing, all right? That sounds silly, doesn't it? Because And the reason it sounds silly is God didn't do it that way. The ticket that we have was free. We're already here. If you know who Jesus is, and Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, then you're already headed there for free because of what he's done. We don't have to earn it in there. And so it's not that we have to pack our days full, going crazy. We get to do the things that matter. 
that matter. And that's the difference between living a life of misery and frustration and living a life of joy and meaning. So with this new opportunity, we want to make the days count. We really do. The stewardship of time, though, sometimes can be stressful because we tend to put more pressure on ourselves than God would ever place on you and me. We place pressure on ourselves. We place pressure on other people with standards and criteria that God never included. So this uh, a commodity of time that we have is not only a trust, it's also a test. What are you going to do? What are you doing with the time that has been given? The Bible says that you and I are to understand what the Lord's will uh, is. God is not some malicious slave uh, keeper tasking you and I with 100,000 things uh, and that, uh, again, that we're believing that if we do all of them, then we might make him happy. That's not the way that it works at all. Um, uh, That's what God sent Jesus to cover. It's not about earning our way in. It's about doing the things that we get to do for God. Uh, God never wanted you and I to run around like chickens with our heads still on. All right? If the heads were off, then we'd have a reason to be stupid. All right? But we put that pressure on ourselves. And so we, uh, uh, how did I write this down there? Listen, this is what happens when we, uh, when we uh, uh, run around losing our minds, our tempers, our reputation, and our hope. That's not the way that it's supposed to be. The feeling of pressure and anxiety that we have is a direct result of pla- uh, placing that pressure on ourselves and living a very hurried, anxious lifestyle. What does a hurried lifestyle look like? Let me share with you just a couple of simple things. It's not exhaustive, but it covers the bases pretty well. When I'm hurried, number one, I feel more stress. Literally. Every one of us have been there, and some of you are right now. Solomon wrote this, I had no time to take care of myself. You need time to take care of yourself, to take care of your soul. What I am not talking about is some kind of a uh, selfish me first perspective where it's all about me and really, and, and, and I come first. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the understanding that you and I have limits. It's not just the fact that we only have so much time. We also only have so much ability and so much strength. And guess what? It runs out. And when it does, you and I are no good to anybody and not even to ourselves. It's the oxygen in the airplane principle. First, put oxygen on yourself so that you can be of help to somebody else. First, get rest for yourselves so that you can be good to somebody else. Every once in a while, that needs to happen. And when we're hurried, we feel more stress. We also, when we're hurried, lose, when I'm hurried, I lose my joy. 
Uh, Job chapter 9 says this, My days go by faster than a runner. They flew away without me seeing any joy. Losing joy isn't about having a bad day or a bad week or about having to make bad decisions or do difficult things. That's not what it's about. It's about a constant level of activity where there's no downtime and suddenly you don't know why it is that you're doing all of this every day, every week. You lost your joy a long time ago and you don't really understand why it is that you're doing all of that. When you're doing so much for so long and you don't know why, you're doing too much. Period. As I said a couple of weeks ago, you and I are human beings, not human doings. And there really is a difference. When I'm hurried, I feel more stress, I lose my joy, and I'm also less productive. Proverbs chapter 19 says this, a person in a hurry makes mistakes. Why do we have to have a Bible verse that says something so obvious like that? Why? You know why? Because we don't think we're going to make mistakes. We're that we're smart enough, we've planned well enough that we can be in a hurry and it's all going to be okay. But then on the third trip to a Home Depot or to Shaw's, when we forgot the, the things that we were supposed to get in the first two trips and we're going back for the third time, we realize, you know what? If we just weren't in a hurry, we would have probably remembered everything the first time. But now we've wasted time and gas and money because we bought things we didn't need instead of the things that we did. And now we're not going to get done what we thought we were going to get done. Does that resonate with anybody? When I'm hurried, I I feel more stress. I lose my joy. I feel I'm less productive. And lastly, I can't hear God. Psalm 40 says, be still. Be still and know that I'm God. Yesterday, we had a really good day. Uh, Rick and Ann Luz were here for our marriage mini retreat. And uh, Rick is a preacher in uh, Providence. And uh, he and his wife, Ann, came up uh, for a great day. And it just really, really was very refreshing and very encouraging. But Ann said something that really caught my attention yesterday. She talked about uh, what would happen if she was always in a hurry and always stressful and didn't have time to listen to God. How much of a negative impact it had on her marriage. And when she did make time to listen to God, how much of a positive impact what a blessing it was for her marriage. She said when she took time to just be still and listen to God, <clears throat> excuse me, when she took time to be still and listen to God, uh, <clears throat> she was able to just calm down. She was able to take a deep breath and relax. When she was able to uh, take time and listen to God, her harder edges were softened. She wasn't as judgmental or as harsh. She was able to calm down. Her harder edges were softened. And when she was able to take time and listen to God, she was able to see the needs of others because the world wasn't just about her anymore. 
because of the goodness of God and the blessing of God, she was able to actually see what was going on in other people's lives and recognize that there were others that had needs that were either equal to or greater than her own. You're saying right now, excuse me. You're saying right now, Shan, I get it. I need to slow down, but you don't understand. I've got kids or grandkids for some of you that I have to take care of. I've got a job that I have to go to. And then when I get home, I've got my second job of taking care of everything. And I really don't have a choice in the matter. I would actually beg to differ. We do have choices. Sometimes being busy helps us to avoid making rather difficult decisions. As I said before, are you in charge of your calendar or is your calendar in charge of you? God has a lot to say about this. The question is not whether or not he has anything to say about it. It's whether we really want to listen. A couple things I want you to understand about God. Number one, God really does want you to have less stress in your life. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says this, It's better to have little with peace of mind than be busy all the time. So I'm just going to say this, and you take it for what it's worth. But remember, when I say this to you, I am not saying this to you as a disconnected preacher whose only day that matters in his life is Sunday. I'm saying this to you as a father of three and a husband for more than 30 years. If you really do love the seasons, and I'm speaking right now to young uh, parents of young children, if you really do love the seasons, and by the seasons I mean basketball season, football season, lacrosse season, baseball season, dancing season, prom season, uh, uh, recital season, chorus season, those kinds of seasons... I'm telling you that every once in a while, you need to take a break. You do. Listen, for more than two decades, coming up on three now, every Sunday of my life has been occupied. So my weekend is already cut in half. And for uh, more than 10 years, every Saturday of mine was occupied. I've been in that world. I know what it's like to have uh, football games on Friday, soccer games on Saturday, and concerts on Sunday afternoon. And I've done that for a lot. And there were times when Leslie and I would just say, whose idea was it to have all these kids? (laughs) All right? What's going on? I mean, are we, uh, we used to say, and I teach this to couples all the time. I say, remember, when kids come along, it's your party, they're invited. But what the kids end up doing is saying, no, 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 this is our party, and we want you to take us every, to every single one of them. I've lived that life, and I know. And you know what happened just recently uh, when Mother's Day came around just this past May? You remember it was a rainy day, and there were lots of you that had scheduled games for this and that and everything else. Some of you had three games scheduled on Mother's Day. I saw the whole bunch of this on on social. It wasn't that you guys were complaining. I saw a lot of this on social media posts. Are you kidding? One said the softball coach scheduled batting practice in the middle of Mother's Day. I've got three games for this. 
And we've got games that we're on our way to, only to find out that after we traveled for an hour that they were canceled because of the rain. Now, what I'm not saying is you need to walk away cold turkey. But what I am saying is that being there every single time is not necessarily a measure of, commit, a measure of your commitment. Because sometimes it's okay for the sake of your family and your marriage to take a break. I had more than a couple coaches say, what do you mean Connor's not going to be there? Well, we're going on vacation. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't care. <laughs> it's my son. Our family. And don't worry, there are 51 other weeks in the year. I'm not talking about going cold turkey. I'm saying every once in a while it's okay to take a break because it's not good to be busy all the time. It's good to have peace. God wants you to have less stress. God also wants you to have time to rest. Psalm 127.2 says this, It's useless to rise early and go to bed late, working your fingers to the bone. Don't you know that God gives rest to those that he loves? My uh, daughter, our youngest daughter, Kendall, is on her way now from uh, uh, Waco, where she goes to school, Waco, Texas, to Kansas City, uh, Missouri. She's going to be having a summer internship with KPMG, a nationally uh, known accounting firm. And uh, this past week, she was contacted by one of the employees from KPMG. This uh, young woman is going to be a mentor to my daughter. And she let uh, Kendall know that the the company has given her a a small expense account. And what she is to do with that expense account is go to, uh, uh, every once in a while, she and Kendall are just to kind of take off and get away from work and go get a meal or go get a cup of coffee and just kind of talk about things and relax and And Kendall was just, I can't believe they're going to do this. And I said, sweetie, what do you think about that? She said, I just think it's cool. And I said, well, honey, it's actually more than cool. Your company's figured out that a well-rested employee is more productive. She said, oh, yeah. Now, in case you think that KPMG are just, the, the, the management of KPMG is just brilliant, they didn't come up with that first. God did. The fourth commandment that says, remember the Sabbath, is not just a day to make sure that you get to church every single week. That's not what that was about originally. It actually says, for six days you can work, Shan's paraphrase version, for six days you can work, but on the, on the seventh day, it's a Sabbath for you to rest. For you to rest. The brilliant idea came from God. God wants you to have less stress. He wants you to have time to rest. And God wants you to trust him. He wants you to trust him that he knows how good you really want to do. All the good that you really want to do. He knows your limitations in some ways better than you do. And believe it or not, he knows what tomorrow holds. So he knows the things that really are going to take your time and the decisions about your time that you have waiting for you. Romans chapter 8 says, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. 
when we try to fit everything into one day, the worst possible thing that could happen is that we actually succeed and we get it all in and fall backward on the bed, still wearing our boots. You know why that's the worst possible thing? Because we'll think we have succeeded and we can do it. And instead of saying that God works all things together for the good, we will stand up and say, I did it. I work all things together for the good of me and my family. Shut up. I want to go to bed. Right? That's what happens. What I'm saying is that God really does know what's best for us. And there are times when we need to just take a break and just quietly listen to him. God, I know what is good for my family, but I know you know what's better. God, I know what's good for my marriage, but I know that you know what's better. Help me not to overextend myself. Help me not to overcommit myself. Help me to make my first, my first devotion to you. My next devotion to my marriage. And after that, my family. Shan, you're the preacher. You didn't say anything about church yet. Nope. Because your first church is your home. You honor God. And God will honor you. In 1999, January of 99, the North Atlantic fishing community had an odd, tragic event take place. In the span of 13 days, three boats were lost at sea. Ten men died. Five of them were never found. The clam boats that were lost were the Cape Fear, the Adriatic, and the Beth de Bob. On the end... Uh, And the investigation that uh, followed afterward, it were found that there was no hull breach in any of the boats. In other words, nothing came under and punctured the hull so that they sank that way. That, That wasn't the problem. Each of the boat captains had more than 10 years of experience at sea, and the crew were experienced too. What they did find, however, is that each of the boats either had too much weight or their their weight was improperly managed. Now, I don't know whether you know a lot about those boats uh, or not, but those crab traps that they put out, uh, and those uh, clam uh, bags that they put out, when it's all said and done, the traps, when they put them out, when they're full and they bring them on board, they can weigh as much as one to one and a half tons. That's 2,000 to 3,000 pounds. They found out that two of the boats were carrying 10 to 15 more traps than they were really supposed to hold. That's 10 to 15 tons more weight. And so because of the mismanagement of the weight, the boats capsized and were lost, as well as the crew. The investigators went to the other crews in that port and they began to ask, is this a common practice? And the guys just with numb, blank stares said, yeah. It's just what we do. It's normal. Is that normal for you? Putting too much into your day, into your week, into your life, so that your lives are overweighted 
overextended, overburdened, and overwhelmed, and about to sink. God doesn't want you to live like that. He doesn't want you to be burdened and without joy, losing your hope, thinking that God really doesn't care. I encourage you to just take some time and listen quietly to what God has to say about your life and your schedule and the things that matter in it. Because this new opportunity that he's given to you and me isn't so that you and I can just be exhausted with different things. It's so that we can be free and have joy and share that life with other people. Because I'm telling you what, you know yourselves. You've got friends and family members that are spent, worn out, and they need to break free. In just a couple of minutes, we've got some people that are going to get the communion trays and they're going to pass those out. If you are doing that this morning, you can go ahead and get those trays now if you'd like. We do this each and every week, not because it's a religious tradition. We do this each and every week because we need to remember the things that matter. We need to remember how this new opportunity came to you and me. Because of the love of God through the sacrifice of Jesus, you and I have a new opportunity in life. We have new hope. We have a completely different set of guidelines by which we decide the things that we're going to do and the things that we're not going to do. We're not governed by what other people say. We humbly listen to what God has to say about our lives because God knew what was best for us even before we came here. And so with all of that in mind, we remember the sacrifice of Jesus and we look forward to saying, God, this week has been crazy. And there were times when I really did have a lot of things to do, but there are other times when I just packed my schedule and I really didn't take time to think about what you might want and how you might have some things that you want me to do and that you've made especially for me to do. So God, I'm going to try and do better. I'm going to take time to rest, take time to not have so much stress in my life because you didn't make me to live like this. Let's pray. God, we we live in a world that goes faster than we can pedal. We live in a world that has more demands for our time than we could ever fulfill. We live in a world that would be just really happy to have us do what we, they want us to do and ignore what you are asking us to do. God, we look around and we just want our days to count. We want to make a difference in the lives of our kids our families. We want to make a difference in our marriages, a difference in our homes. We want to do the best that we can, even while we're working, to make a difference in the lives of those that are working around us and with us. Because life is short and time is precious. Help us to choose wisely. God, we know that 
when our kids are around, it, it really can be crazy. And we've got games to go to and practices to go to. But God, even while we're there on the field, help us to let our light shine there, making the most of those times. So God, help us so much to make a difference in the days that we have, the hours that we have, those 86,400 seconds. Lord, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.